welcome to episode 334 of the Walk for a Day. I got three podcasts. My name is David, and I'm here with my wife, Ginger. Hello. Today we're talking about the first episode of Horror of Fang Rock. It is a dark and foggy night. Um, we see a shot of a lighthouse on the rocky promontory of the shore, and it's night. And there's a bright reddish pink fireball and the UFO goes streaking through the sky and crashes into the ocean and the ocean's all glowing red. One of the lighthouse keepers, younger keeper named Vince, watches it and sees it and tells uh, the older, um, more seasoned keeper, Ruben, about seeing this bright light, this fireball go into the sea. So, oh, that's nothing. He didn't see anything. And then the third keeper, Ben, comes up and he also doesn't believe him. He's the youngest of the three and they're not taking his, uh, his, his story. We see that the Lighthouse again. We see a shot of it, and uh, now it's through a a round scope that has kind of green mottled texture around it. So something is looking at the lighthouse. In this, the uh, two keepers have taken a break. Um, Ruben and Ben are down in the living area, um, having a meal, and they're arguing over the transitioning of the lighthouses on the coast from oil power oil lamp to over to electric um, Ruben was of the oil school Ben is of the middle generation of the electric um, turns out we are at a turn of the century about 1900 this time period in the uh, midst of their argument Vince calls down to tell them that there's a very dense fog heading in. In this gloom and fog, we hear the TARDIS materialize. Ben um, comes up and Ruben and they look at this blanket of fog that's coming in towards them. He tells Vince to blow the foghorn every two minutes, and by that he says, I don't mean every ten. You need you need to blow the foghorn because this is really um, dangerously dense. Doctor and Leela have uh, come out of the TARDIS and are poking around on the rocky shore. And Leela says, I thought you said I'd like Brighton. And uh, she's, I think, coming to realize that, again, that the doctor can't really control where he's going to land. Um, he gives a very overblown scientific explanation and says, well, I guess we're just lost in the fog. Um, but then he notices that the lighthouse is a distance away from them, but without a light. So that's odd. Um, so Ben has gone down to the generator room because the lamp is not working. Um, but before he's able to do any maintenance, it starts working again. The doctor and Leela um, head to the lighthouse. Um, 
doctor heads a little bit off from her and she stops and says to herself that she feels something wrong here. Her warrior sense is tingling, I guess. So the light goes off again. Um, ben is down again checking the generator to get the light back on. And we see the scope view of Ben as he's at the generator. And then we see Ben turn and he screams out and appears to be attacked by whatever is looking at him through the scope. Vince and Ruben are um, up by the light and uh, literally talking about the weather. Um, <laughs> Ruben says that he's old enough and been doing this long enough that he can tell what the weather's going to do and he, he knows that based on what he'd seen that day that there should not be fog at this point. So it's a surprising um, development. He's not seen this in all his days. Um, Vince says he'll go to check on Ben because he's been down there a while and the light's still not working. Or, yeah, the light's still not working. The doctor and Leela um, come into the lighthouse and through the generator room on the bottom floor. And uh, the doctor says that he's uh, going to offer their help, but oh, he wouldn't dream of interfering without asking first. So they go off to find someone. Uh, to talk about their problem with their light, like short circuit or something. They, uh, they run into Vince and they give him a story that uh, they parked on the other side of the island and they got lost in the fog. The, uh, ben, uh, Vince says something about though the light has not been working and Ben was just checking on the generator and the doctor says, well, well we just came through there and he wasn't there. Um, so Vince finds this kind of odd, and then the doctor says he'll go check on him. So Leela is talking to Vince about, um, she's really rattling on about a little bit. Um, but she, he says he he says he'll give her get her a warm beverage or something. So what I really would like is some dry clothes. And so uh, we don't have anything fitting for a lady. So oh, I'm not a lady. And and starts taking off her, her skirt to her under uh, dress and he turns around and sees that and is embarrassed by her um, disrobing and says, oh, I'll, I'll find you something. She says, even your clothes would do fine. So he exits to get her something else to wear. The doctor can't find Ben in the room as he's looking about, but then the light comes back on and the light in the generator room comes back on. And he finds Ben as dead. Um, Leela and Vince come down and he points out that yes, he did find Ben and he's here and he's been killed by a massive electric shock. Uh, he tells Vince this and tells him to go and tell, relay the information to Reuben up at the light. After he leaves, Leela says, you don't kill the you don't think the machine killed him, do you? And she says no. <clears throat> and he um, looks around and shows Leela around a bit, and then he discovers this 
lantern that Ben had with him to take into the darkened room was crushed flat. Reuben thinks that um, might be spies that killed Ben, and he, he doesn't believe that Ben was shocked either. Um, and uh, he, doesn't, he also doesn't trust strangers. Um, he says how, because Ben died in such a, um, a, a violent way that it wouldn't be a surprise if Ben was to haunt them now. The doctor is uh, in their living quarters area and he's examining this. Was it a radio? We call it a Marconi device, as you described it. I think, it's, I think it's actually a telegraph, but Tele it's, it's oh. probably a radio. Okay. If it's Marconi. Um, talks to Ruben about it. Does he know how to use it? And yes, of course he does. Ruben sits in kind of su remarks to suggest that he's very suspicious of them and the doctor says, says oh do you think we killed Ben um what do you want to do put us in shackle irons uh, like leg irons or something like that he says it didn't have anything to do with you know your friend's death um and Ruben is not much dissuaded but he does leave them alone Leela wants to go out to hunt whatever it is that must have uh, killed Ben. And the doctor says he doesn't want to go out uh, looking around in this fog, especially for something that could do that to the lantern. Um, he's going to go off and talk to Vince. So Leela heads down to the gener generator room and out into the fog, carrying her knife. Vince tells the doctor that he saw this fireball in the sky and crashed into the sea and how long ago and um, then the fog came and the cold came with it and the doctor is very interested in this information. Leela is exploring the, the foggy rocky shore. Um, she finds a tide pool and pokes at some fish with her knife because the fish are floating dead in the pool. The doctor tells uh, in the middle of telling Vince of the Pharaoh's lighthouse and how they used slaves to operate it and, and how they used it um, to uh, mirrors for the light. And Reuben interrupts to relieve Vince for his shift. Vince goes down, heads downstairs, and he hears a noise. He hears a dragging sound. Leela is uh, heading back towards the lighthouse and we see an exterior view of her through the green scope. Something is watching her. Vince has discovered a pile of clothing where Ben was and that Ben is gone. He radios or kind of telegraph or some whatever communication device they have, which is kind of like a hose that he listens to it or talks into the same piece, um, tells Reuben that Ben is gone. Um, 
he's walking, he's gone. He heard a, a scrabbling, dragging sound, and now he Ben is not there. Leela comes in and um, also says that she saw, some, she felt something was outside when she was out there. Reuben tells Vince that a ship is coming into shore and the light is still out. They can't signal to it to stop it. They, um, they shoot off some flares and we see the flares glowing in the fog and we hear, see the ship masts and decking coming towards the shore and hear a jumble of voices shouting out at, probably from the ship at the distance kind of a little bit of a um, atmospheric noises as we see the ship come closer and closer and the ship runs aground and the end. Unless, unless I missed something that was the ending. No, that was the okay. ending. Just checking. We'll get to that. Okay. So we get Leela in a new costume. Oh, yes. Though she's not in it for long. No. It's uh, the turn of the century with a little flat straw hat mm -hmm. with the ribbon round. Cute, very, um, almost like a girl, little girl's yeah. hat. Um, but I know it was more of a, it was a fashion for early mature ladies as well. And the, uh, again, the high-necked, uh, puffy, kind of puff cap sleeve, you mm -hmm. know, very, uh, Interesting period clothing. Um, the doctor quotes a, a bowler hat at some point. He picks it up at front in, uh, inside the lighthouse. Yeah, um, probably Ben's, I think. Uh, Could have been. Um, wears that for a short bit. But yeah, she's uh, since her clothes are all wet from the fog, I guess. Uh, she starts to disrobe, so he gets her pretty much it's like a stripy jumper, a sweater, and black slacks or black uh, pants or something. Black trousers. Um, which suits her more, being the warrior that she is. So, um, what do you think of them having her disrobe a second time in two stores? It's a little too repetitive for me. It's kind okay. of... It wasn't just me then. No, I'm thinking again. You know, I can understand that the doctor's trying to have her show her, you know, use the closets of the TARDIS and, and dress in period where um, when he knows he's... He must have some control of the TARDIS when he knows that he's headed somewhere that is maybe uh, in Earth history that she could be having an effect by standing out, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, to kind of dress up and play along. But to immediately get her out of it, it's silly. It works the first time to kind of embarrass Lightfoot in the earlier which is not, it can't be too much 
later, because what it was, 18, um, something like 90 that. something yeah. uh, in the last story, and now we're at the turn of the century, so maybe 1900, 1901. I think it's supposed to be around 1910. 19, okay. But still, early 1900s. Yeah, early 1900s, before the First World War, hence the um, uh, distrust that Ribbon shows about the French or the other... Or the Germans. <laughs> Pretty much everybody. Oh, everybody. But yes. Um, it's the uh, atmosphere for uh, tensions in the early 1900s. We can feel from his suspicions. Um, but I don't think it was... <coughs> necessary. I don't think it was really wanted either, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the audience really would have appreciated that scene again unless maybe, well, even if they would have had a story in between or two and they got had to show this one first, mm-hmm. it still would have been too soon to have the same type of thing happen. I think it worked better in the um, talons of Wang Chiang because it was more, even more straight-laced, you know, Victorian society and contrasting her against Lightfoot, that Professor Lightfoot. Maybe. Um, that worked better than it does here. And the fairly obvious uh, micro lady. Yes. Whereas we don't need that here. It doesn't seem to belong. Yeah. Now, granted, they may spend a lot, a good part of their time, maybe out on the rocky beach area um, of the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. But then they kind of have that in mind if they thought they were going to Brighton or the seaside. Why, you know, she didn't dress appropriately for for that. So why does they have feel the need to put her into trousers in this way for no real reason? And really make her look almost too modern. Yeah, it was very... It looked like more modern wear than... I get that it's supposed to be just a fisherman's sweater and a belt and trousers of some kind, but uh, the sweater with the belt around it looked really 80s, 90s-ish. Late 70s, 80s, Yeah. yeah. It did a very modern style. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah, I didn't appreciate that that repeat of that, yeah. that type of scene. Um, I didn't really either. I don't think we needed to have it pointed out to us how green or naive Vince is. He seems to be the young trainee lighthouse keeper and um, I get from his other actions and things is we get that sense already, so we don't need that reinforcement by that repetitive scene. Yeah. I also thought that her walking around outside the trumped up drama um, of her 
Hunting in the fog went on just a little too long. They would cut it with Vince hearing a dragging noise and then her background outside and then Vince saying, oh, but he's gone. And then here she just comes back inside, you know, after something had zeroed in on her. But there really wasn't much point in that. Yeah, she discovers that there's fish dead in the water. So I guess we had to find that out somehow to add to the threat of whatever has caused this fog and this cold and now this um, affecting the environment as it is. But still, I found myself thinking, okay, she's not finding anything. Walking around a little bit more than we need to. Are you saying that was a bit filler? Yeah. Huh. I don't disagree. Just, just a, verging. Yeah. Okay, I would agree with that. It didn't strike me as bad, but it did drift a little too long. Yeah. And the yeah the thick fog and this unknown. fireball landing and these odd things happening is I suppose interesting enough but it's a it's kind of not it's I guess it's intriguing but not as interesting right off it doesn't really hook you as quickly as some others when they started in a similar vein yeah like a the brain of Morbius when it starts and its gothic creepiness and then the um, the talons how it, it begins in the um, in the London streets and all there's more interest right away there's ones that's, it's kind of more slowly getting into it almost slow enough to make you not very interested in continuing yeah almost there just just enough like I you know it is a bit of a letdown especially after the last couple mm-hmm less action in this one so a I lot guess, of running around yeah running I mean up and there down was a fair amount of guess. action but none of it was had a point <clears throat> they spent a lot of time running up and down that lighthouse mm-hmm So follow him up and down the stairs too many times to get a little dizzy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a little bit boring, but you know, I would imagine life of as a lighthouse keeper might be a little bit boring. Well, true. Probably is, but probably exactly why our friend John would like to be a lighthouse keeper on some bad days. <laughs> a little less exciting. But, 
Not too bad of an episode. No, not bad. I'm still interested enough to see what what becomes of the horror of Fang Rock. <laughs> and what the horror <laughs> is. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, never mind. We'll get to that. Much else? I don't really until the cliffhanger. Okay. I don't think I have any other notes. Okay. Well, then we'll get to it now. Okay. I think that's one of the, the one of the big failings of this episode is that by the end of the first, the first cliffhanger should have been the reveal of what the horror is. Yeah. But I guess they're, what they're trying to do is draw out the suspense. So instead, what we get is a slow motion crash mm-hmm. of a ship on a rock island that we can't really see what it's crashing on. Uh-huh. It's obviously a model. And a guy has shot a flare that apparently cannot burn out. Because it lasts the entire two minutes of this crash. Well, the one goes out, but then there's another one. Oh, I didn't see him fire a second one. I didn't see him fire a second one, but in the shot with the ship, you see one glow up higher, and then oh, it does eventually. It. Then there's another one farther down, and then the other I guess one I got tired out. of watching the ship crash. Yeah, it just like. And I looked away. Ship's moving a little bit more. Ship's moving a little bit more. Okay, okay, we've established the ship's coming into crash. Um, it's like, you expect the flare to actually move, though, in the sky. The, yeah. Because the, they do go up and then they come the down The effect again. of the flare was totally <laughs> incorrect. What is shot up most likely comes back down, and yeah. we don't see that happening. Yep. Um, <clears throat> yeah. It was way too bad. Whole lighthouse thing just makes me want to listen to what is the song by Deep Blue Something, isn't it? Breakfast at Tiffany's? No. Birdhouse in Your Soul. Oh, they might be giants. Yeah, they might be giants, sorry. Wrong one. Say something about the um, ancestors kept the beaches shipwreck free. Oh, yeah. I'd be fired if that was my job. <laughs> but yeah, not too bad about the the shipwreck uh, ending. You know, it could have been more exciting. Would have been more exciting to see the ship break apart or something. It almost did. The mast well. alone was waving like. <laughs> A plant in the breeze. <laughs> well, break apart in the intentional way. Yeah. Hey, crack along the way. Instead of just, you know, the model breaking because of its own weight <laughs> or its own construction. Yeah. It's different than 
actually looking like it's shipwrecked. Not just a wrecked ship model. So maybe we'll find out the horror next time. I hope so. The horror. They're dragging the it out a little too long. They only get two good appearances in this one. And it's not, they're not even good appearances, really. No. no. Scope. Yeah, we get their point of view, and we never see them, or even see what they really do. Mm. We just sort of find out the results. They create fog and they create cold, is all we know. And they electrify oh. their victims oh. in some manner. They can flatten a lantern. Yeah. I got that too. So they're big snowmen, is what my guess is at this point. They roll over the lanterns to flatten them, and their cold bodies. Or what generate the cold and fog. And electricity. Oh, yeah. Static. They're snowmen with tasers. Because they're kind of like Yeti. Sure. Except Yeti aren't cold. They just live in cold. Okay, then. All right. So, I hope we find out tomorrow when we talk about episode two of Horror of Fang Rock. <laughs> Has my attitude changed since the beginning of the episode? Just a smidge. Oh, sorry. I hoped it didn't show. <clears throat> anyway, join us tomorrow, and thank you for listening.